Welcome my beauty partners to this Global Beauty Tech Master Series. I'm Alice, the founder and the CEO of Perfect Core. We are excited to bring you an inside look into the future of beauty tech and how it can benefit the digital transformation for brands. Perfect Corp is always pushing the envelope of beauty tech innovation and continues to deliver the most interactive and enriched beauty shopping experiences for brands, for retailers, and for beauty shoppers. Over the next three months, the Global Beauty Tech Master Series will dive into different aspects of beauty tech. From understanding the fundamentals of AI, AR, and machine learning, to diving into unique digital solutions and the successful brand case studies to help you better understand the impact and the application of beauty tech solutions. We hope you will join us together with the notable beauty industry experts on this journey toward continued innovation and advancement to continue driving business and reimagining the consumer beauty shopping experience for the modern world. It is our pleasure to host you on this five-part leadership series to help you excel as a beauty tech master and propel your business through strategic digital-first solutions. Step into the future of beauty innovation with me. Welcome to join the Global Beauty Tech Master Series. Okay, thanks everyone for joining and then uh, good morning, good afternoon or good evening. It doesn't matter where you uh, you join. So that's uh, that's really the benefit of this uh, uh, webinar because uh, you can join from anywhere. Okay, uh, today we will talk about, so this is the this is three uh, number three of our uh, the master series. Uh, we've been talking about AI, AR, and then also the application in the previous two uh, webinar. And today, we are going to talk uh, about the backend, the infrastructure who, that powered the AR and AI solution. Okay, so that will be, um, we talk a little bit about the, the omni-channel, the data, and the cloud. And today, we are very happy, it's our pleasure to uh, invite uh, Deborah, Deborah left to join us. Hi, Deborah. Thank you for joining Hi. us. Hi. So Deborah, actually, you know, we've been talking about beauty and then we invite people from the beauty industry, but Deborah actually is from industry. So Deborah actually uh, is a former global, global um, industry CTO uh, of the data science and then AI for IBM. In IBM, where she uh, actually worked with a senior executive at a leading company globally, and then for the last eight years to identify, prioritize, and then successfully uh, ex execute the strategy analysis project. Okay, so um, actually for the data science, science and artificial intelligence and the machine learning are supposed to have a profound impact on the nearly every aspect of every business. However, so that's, that's important uh, because Deborah, the, the role is very important because uh, in order to achieve success, require more than just hiring people, hiring people to build modules and train. So Deborah's role actually, uh, she's trying to demystify AI and the, the full data science life cycle for business leader. It's a very important role to help the leader globally to understand AI, understand data science. So beside that, the work in the IBM, Deborah actually wearing many hats. Deborah is the founder of uh, Girls Who Solve, 
it's a STEM education club for high school girls. And then also she's a frequent keynote speaker. You know, that's why we are uh, very excited to invite her. And also she's an advisory uh, board member of a recruiter.com. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you for joining us. So in today's presentation, we will talk about um, some key aspects of the omni-channel and data, data, big data and cloud from perfect, uh, perfect course, um, like a beauty ecosystem. Then we will have a chatting, the fireside chatting with Deborah to talk about data science, AI, and then cloud in general, based on her uh, rich experience by working with the leading company. So we will have opportunity to understand, to pick the uh, insight of all these uh, the, the complicated science and how they help the business. Okay, so uh, let's start with um, with the presentation. Okay, so um, the beauty three sixty omnichannel and cloud solution. Okay, as I said previously in the in the prior to work. Uh, a webinar. The first one we talk about AI, um, AR, the basic engineering science, and then the last uh, seminar we talk about the application uh, with the brand. Okay. So, um, so today we will learn the importance of uh, the cohesive uh, digital beauty experience across all the channel. We also will help you to understand how we power all these solution by a central console. And I'll show you, I'll show you the real time to access the console. And then also that the console where that built on the over the cloud infrastructure. And then I have all the console, the cloud solution. The important thing here is that we get the big data and how you, how can you use the big data in, in your optimized uh, strategy to succeed, okay? So that's uh, today. Because we only have about 15, 15 minutes. So uh, we, some of them, the detail, we, we won't be able to go too, too to um, date, uh, but uh, you know you can end, ask a question along the all the, the the session, and then you can just type in your question. Or later at the seminar, you can always reach me or reach out to to Deborah to ask question if you have more question. Okay. So quickly on Perfect Call, so I talk about this uh, uh, every beginning of the seminar. So we founded um, 2015, so it's about five years ago. We have about 230 people in 14 cities, 11 countries. So we basically have two type of business. One is a B2C. We have a app. We have a you know the public app, so called you can perfect, and another one is you can make up. So two app con collectively we have about 800 download globally. We also there's one piece of very important of our business we do B2B. So we uh, license our technology. We package source like a SaaS software as a service uh, with all the AR and AI beauty solution um, about 270 brands using us okay so among all these brands you know it's like a 270 brand and then we get about 10 billion try on per year we have a, almost like a close to 200,000 product skill in our database how we manage this service and database become a key important role okay so and then we are global okay so let's talk about the importance of uh, the uh, omnichannel so before you know, that's a time where we, um, you know, everybody live normally. So before COVID, Omnichannel already is important because of, so based on uh, Harvard Business Review's uh, research, it's, uh, they track uh, like a multi-year for 46,000 customer 
they figure out actually omnichannel shopper, which means they are not focused in one channel. They can shop from store, they shop from online, they shop from mobile app. So this kind of omnichannel shopper, they shop 23% more often, and then they spend 10% more, and then they spend 4% more on different channels. However, right now we are in the different uh, era, which is uh, post-COVID, or we are in COVID. So every, actually this is, this situation is become more uh, obvious because uh, some of the channel is just simply not available. You just cannot shop there, for example, like a retail. Okay, and then uh, some of the way we used to shop is not there, it's not an option because you won't be able to talk to a beauty advisor or the sales associate in person. Okay, so everything changed. So that paradigm shift actually enhance or speed up the, the, the omni-channel presentation, okay? So basically you see that retail is declining, e-commerce is growing, so that's e-commerce. And also from our own app, we see the very significant increase on the user. Uh, for example, 32% spike in daily virtual trial, 57% increase in the, we have this beauty one-on-one -on -one call, like a virtual beauty. And then also the live stream, the live show, 70% increase. So that means that it's a movement behind this uh, COVID-19, which is on the commercial side, which is like a user start to emerge from different channels. Okay, not only the channel, but also geographically, you, you, when you talk about omni-channel, you have to think about global. Okay, so China market definitely is part of global, is one of the most important market. So again, prior to COVID, China is already important. You can see L'Oreal say China is their main contributor. Um, as it others said that um, all these uh, China categories or brand post double digit gains, and she said or even says like a 40% growth. Okay, so right now actually after COVID, because China is the first uh, like a rich uh, market get hit by COVID, and right now they the, they are the first to recover. Yesterday from um, uh, Wall Street Journal, I read that actually China August they go back the the, the consumer like a shopping they go back to pre COVID which give us the hope, you know, that soon everybody will hope, will follow, but China is important. But within China, there's a mini omni-channel because China, you know, majority, they are digital channel from e-commerce and from social. And then China's uh, channel is on their own. They are using different um, apps, a website, for example, they have a Tmall, Taobao, uh, they have uh, like a social shopping from Little Red, Red Book, Xiaohongshu, uh, and then uh, also they have a uh, social shopping from the uh, WeChat, okay, Weibo, okay. So how can a brand, like a beauty brand, for example, we are in the beauty business, to take care of everything, uh, not only the channel, but also the market. That's a key uh, the topic. So Perfect Call, actually, we build an omni-channel beauty tech solution across all the channel, across all the geographic. AR, AI in retail, in e-commerce, in the app, like SDK, also in China, okay? So the next thing we could talk about is how. Okay, so we build all this fancy stuff, which we've been, you know, we've been seeing that in the previous two uh, uh, webinars, you know, all this uh, interaction consumer, but right now we go back to look at the, the, the backend, how we build this centralized console and start such a robust console to power all the beauty solution, okay? So currently we have about 17 AR service, and this one, you know, that keep on we keep on updated so very soon probably in the next couple of uh, weeks or months it can go to 20. so how can we power so much solution cross so much uh, different channel cross so many 
of the, the market. The key is really a centralized council. When we start this company, we are very ambitious. We are not only just create an app for one brand or something, we have that global omnichannel in mind. So that's why from day one, we have this beauty council. We can claim that's the world's first corporate portal to design for brand to manage the beauty product for virtual user. So you can manage it, you can create all the digital product, uh, you can also digitalize your product into this channel, okay? And you can verify it you know, because color, texture, everything is important. You verify everything. And also, it serves for a BI, business intelligent uh, purpose because uh, once you have all the data, you push to all the, uh, once you have all the uh, solution, you push to all the channel, you can start getting the data back. So this data actually help you to forecast, uh, help you to do product development, and help to analyze demand, okay? And also you have a direct access to a valuable demographic information in real time, in real time. Of, yeah, of course, you know, it's a, it's a little bit exaggerated. You have some delay because, of, but basically it's a real time, okay? So uh, from a very high level perspective, our perfect business console, we power all the channel like online, in-store, app, and also serve as a CRM. So quickly, I will show you what that beauty console look like. Okay, so this one is a portal. So if you are brand, you work with us, you can get into the, uh, the, this, um, the, the, the console easily. We give you an account, okay? And then you just log in, and you just log into the account, and then the, you, here's the account. So I'm the admin, so I can see uh, everything. You may you may see a little bit delay, you know, due to the different. Uh, see, as a you know, we we across um, the channel, across different ge geographic. Okay, so because I'm uh, in charge of America, so it's all the customer. I'll quickly scoot uh, down because I don't want to see all this customer. And then I do have uh, I create I pre-create a, a console that uh, it's uh, for demo purpose. Okay, so I'm going to use my uh, demo. So assuming I'm the brand, I go into this console and I start to look at uh, my situation. So that's a two part actually. The first part is really you can do product. Okay, you can easily create your product here. See like an eye, shadow, foundation, life. Uh, so that you can create there, you can enter, basically you, you, you enter your um, either the RGB or hex color, and then we have an entire uh, like a preparatory tool to help the brand to verify their color. So for, due to the interest of time, I won't be able to show you the entire thing, but just give you some idea. And then see, you can see all the channel. If you uh, license SDK from us, or if you do an in-app listing from us, uh, so you can see all the data. Okay, of course this one is a demo, so you don't have, a, you don't see the, that many data, but basically you can see how many people you reach, what's the impression, and then the, what's the user engagement, like how many products they try, how many products they save, and then the color preference, like which one is the number one. And then across all the, the sort, if you uh, license the in-store, you see that if you work with us on the one-on-one -on -one web consultation, which is a virtual beauty advisor or live casting and web, all kinds of things. It's like a one database, show you everything, unified database. And then the good thing here is uh, the data which you create here, okay, you only need to create once and you push to omnichannel, okay. So that's uh, the efficiency of the database, okay. So let's go back to the 
uh, the demo. But if you want to know more about our, our, um, our um, console and then you can request a demo, we can definitely show you the detail. Okay, so basically perfect console, they use one console to power all the SaaS service. Okay, then we go to a little bit deep on the cloud. So it's a little bit technology here, not too much, a little bit. So the console actually built over the cloud because we need to have all the character of the, uh, the console. So that's why we're building cloud. So in the slide here, in order to build a very robust AI and AR beauty platform on cloud, you have to meet several requirements here. You have to be very uh, scalable. Scalability is important. And also everybody is focused on the resource. So that's why you don't want to have a, like an entire army of the engineer to, to uh, manage all this, um, the cloud. So when you design this architecture, you have to think about minimize uh, engineering effort and then zero interruption. That's super important because we've worked with a global brand. And our app actually is global. So available uh, for 70 plus country, you have to be available because you don't know where that service is coming from, okay? So you know, you'd have to be available. And also you need to be robust enough to handle such a, a large amount of event. For example, we have a, like a 3 billion try-on per day across all the different channels. So you have to be able like to manage that and also because we have the you know live show or the BA you know consultation, so it's a live uh, live event. The latency target is super important. So when you plan the server, you have you cannot just put every server in one location. Okay, you have to plan. For example, like you have a seventy country, what's the optimized way to put all the server? So that's also an important thing you need to um, consider. And of course, if you have a business in uh, China, they are using total different system. Even the cloud, everything is different. And then uh, it has to be very highly configurable because remember we are dealing with AI. So AI, the, the one major character is learning. So machine learning, keep on learning. So we have to be able to change uh, the configuration, uh, you know, on the, not really daily, but on the regular basis. So uh, we can uh, have the on-demand task with the automated pipeline for all the AI tasks. Okay, and then the continuity is super important. Almost 100%, 99.58%. You don't want a customer like a doing something, try on and suddenly stop, like interrupt their uh, the, the shopping experience. So that's not good. And also the security, when you talk about data, cloud security is vital. Okay, so uh, of course our, um, the, the entire solution meet the criteria of uh, GDP GDPR compliance, and also we do one step ahead. Not only we comply, and also we, we hire the independent assessor to perform the annual penetration test, um, something like a SRCR, and then we work with a brand, sometimes a big brand, um, you know, major global brand, they will uh, regularly access to S, uh, assess our security, data security. So we do this uh, lots of different layer to protect uh, our users' data. Okay, and then just give you a simple idea of that flow. So once we build that, um, the, the perfect console on the cloud, the brand, the partner, actually they can access the perfect console easily, just like a, uh, I access it. So you don't need to know the detail about all the, the, the cloud, like the science the technology behind that. You just need to use it, but actually everything on the cloud. And then the good thing is, because it's a, it's a geographic uh, diversified, so if you want to do different market, 
you can just uh, push that the solution to different market. In the meantime, you can publish everything into our different solution. Okay. So that's the, the overall flow. Of course, in reality, it's much more complicated than just this graph. But I'll give you some idea, uh, brand access the cloud service, uh, uh, brand access the console through the cloud, and then brand just operate, you know, like you are operate some regular website, but actually behind the scene, we push to different market and the service. Then um, just give you an example of the web module. We have a many different ones, but web module is the one. So the user, from user perspective, if I am the shopper, I just go to your the website, a brand's website. I don't know anything. I just enter the website. I see the color which I like. I want to try. But actually, behind the scene, the brand server, you know, the brand, the co cosmetic brand, they put their content. In the meantime, the perfect server put our content, which is AR, into the, uh, the browser. And then, you know, user just try, they're happy, they don't even know what's going on, but they're happy they try. And then all the statistics uh, go through a GA, Google Analytics, and then combine their, the GA and our own um, data, for example, like, a, a, you know, the customer's uh, preference as a, a, a store in the, the perfect console, and then the brand operator can access, access that. So twofold, previous slide, I show you what's the, the flow to build that. Uh, the activation and this flows is from users per perspective and everything go back to the brain okay so you have a such a robust uh, um, data service uh, the cloud service which you can have a data see data is super important without that cloud service without all the omni-channel we won't be able to show you the data like this okay so right now actually we can easily see how many AR try on so this one is a collectively in 2020, we get 13 billion. So very soon we'll see that uh, the growth. And then we can see demographic. We can see like uh, for Gen Z, uh, millennials, what's the percentage of the triang they are using? Okay, so you can see Gen Z and millennial um, present a, a majority of the, the user. And then um, that you can see the category. Okay, so what exactly customer is trying? Lips eyebrow eyeliner this one is a pre-covid because i have another data which i will show you next next time you know we will talk specifically about covid 19 the impact so actually the eyes make a significant growth that'd be that's very interesting and from our data service we see that immediately okay and then also you can start to analyze it okay so you can analyze the gen z with a different for millennial and gen z specifically demographic on the geographic you can see the data then you can start to do the forecast and then the key takeaway. So how good can that be? Okay, especially right now we move to skincare, which is skincare is super important. And we have a, a, a huge database for skincare. You can see that when you do the skincare, you, actually you can see the face, like the analyze the skin. For example, we have, a, we can do eight different concerns. You can see some customer, what's the majority, uh, majority of the concern they have is a wrinkle, is uh, like a moisture, all kind of thing. And then you can show them the, the, the result, okay? And then see their preference. And also we have, um, um, you know, sophisticated facial recognition, not really face recognition, facial, okay? So we can see their, uh, how many active user we are guessing by doing AI, we're guessing their age and then their gender. Uh, we can see what time of day they visit this activation and sentiment. Are they happy when they see this product? Are they happy? Are they sad? Uh, what kind of reaction? So give you an idea, okay? 
And then also this uh, data is two-way. I mentioned this in the previous um, uh, the AI talk because uh, we, in order to have improved the accuracy of the skincare and lots of AI service, we need to data to feed into that and then train. Okay, so the, because if you interested, go back to last uh, uh, the number two um, uh, the the AI about skincare, so you can get more detail. But the data is two-way. Okay, so for you to analyze it. And then the last thing I like to talk about is, although we have uh, so many um, activation uh, engagement with the customer, we get their behavior, we understand their behavior. However, no personal data collected, okay? So uh, basically we either is our web module, our app, so we go to Google and then we, we process a server, go to the console, okay? So, but we don't say, we don't like a store the personal data. Okay, and it also depends on the policy of a different brand and the different, um, you know, like a government uh, policy. Uh, we can customize this, uh, the data collected, the process. Okay, so, but in general, we don't save uh, personal data. We, we look at the big data, we understand the trend, we understand uh, uh, the preference. Okay, so that's, a, that's a super important. Okay, so I guess uh, I is pretty much I give you the idea of uh, so this is a recap. It's like omnichannel is important. Omnichannel is not only for the channel but also geographic. Oh, then, in order to manage your omnichannel, you have to have a, something like a you know perfect console. And I show you the the how perfect console works. And perfect console build out a very robust cloud service. And then uh, with all this uh, cloud service and omnichannel, you can get a very rich data for you to make a decision, forecast uh, on your um, the, the product development and your business, okay? So that pretty much conclude my conversation. So now let me um, bring back uh, Deborah because uh, that's, we are going to talk about something more like uh, in general on the data. So Deborah, so I've been talking about all this, uh, you know, that detail about our solution. So let me ask you a question. So first, let's talk about uh, your role within IBM. So because we mentioned you help that business leader to understand all the detail, like complicated system. So can you tell us a little bit about your role and then how did you support your customer around the world with the data science and AI solution? Certainly. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm a huge admirer of the work that you guys are doing. And um, while at IBM, uh, my role as an industry CTO was to work with um, executives in some of our largest retailers, CPG, and um, travel businesses, and really help them figure out what their AI roadmap was going to be, some more strategic consulting with them. And if you really think about the world of machine learning and AI, and even just becoming data-driven, which is something we've been talking about for a really long time. We've been talking about data is the new oil, I think since like 2005 or 2006. And a lot of companies are a little frustrated that they expected they'd be further along in the journey than they really are. And with so many opportunities of things that you could address, uh, sometimes just really having a, a laser focus around you know, what are the right projects to invest in that will drive the right outcomes for the business based upon their strategic initiatives? You know, just navigating through all of the potential things that you could be doing, but separating um, projects into prioritization in terms of what's really important to support the business um, was something I played a very active role in. Okay. 
Oh, that's good. So uh, then let's dive a little bit deep on that because we talk about omnichannel. So in my slide, I said, uh, you know, the, the, the Harvard Business Research said omnichannel shopper is most valuable and also because all this uh, uh, COVID drive everything. So from your perspective, can you tell us more about uh, the driver, the current drive for organization to move to omnichannel, uh, the solution, instead of just one channel? Yeah, well, so you know, you actually mentioned a really good point when you first began, and that was the omnichannel shopper tends to spend more money uh, than, than the people that are more single-threaded. I think one of the, you know, the, the real key areas of disruption that, that companies have faced over the last, you know, I would say decade or so, is that what machine learning and AI and really just advanced analytics have, have brought to the table for so many companies is the ability to really understand what it is their their customer has, is looking for. You know, I, I you know, the first early days of disruption, people would throw out, you know, how Blockbuster was disrupted by Netflix or uh, Uber disrupted um, the taxi industry. And I always say it's actually, if you really think about what happened, there was a customer experience that people accepted, may not have been the best experience, but it's what we knew and it's what we had. And then along came these digital disruptors that had access to the same technology as everybody else. The disruption they drove wasn't around necessarily the technology itself. It was the way that they organized themselves to be very reactive and the way they changed the customer experience with new technology and new capabilities. We are at least eight or 10 years into the age of the customer because what happens is these digital natives train the customers on what they can expect. So for me, one of the most important reasons to think about omnichannel is because it's about frictionless, it's about ease of use, it's about, it's about things being accessible. If I go to one store and it's easier to buy from them, the next time I have a choice, now I'm gonna go back to what was easier. And I think that is why the drive to omnichannel is so important. It's not necessarily, okay, yes, we, we know that that customer spends more, but it's about supporting your customer in a way that others are making them accustomed. So if they're if they are set the bar, then it's up to the incumbents to figure out how to how to reach that as well. And you know, certainly I was actually talking to someone this morning about um, a retailer that uses your solution. Pre-COVID, you know, people were, you know, maybe a little reticent to try on lipstick in a store. Now, that's not even possible, but the convenience and the sanitation of, you know, being able to do it on an app instead of doing it in, per in person sets the bar for everybody else. And that's a lot of the work that we've been doing over the last, you know, several years is technology is the vehicle to enable someone to buy a much better customer experience than they could previously. Yeah, so that's great. So that basically we all, the meltdown to one thing is that when brand or the, the company uh, applied the technology, it's not for the sake of technology. It's because uh, it uh, make a customer uh, life easier or from your employee life easier, faster, safer, uh, or engaging more customers. So that, that's great. And then also, that's, that's, that's all good. You know, it sounds good. But for the company or the brand, uh, it doesn't really, like an, everybody knows that. 
the thing is, it seems pretty hard to implement an omni-channel solution or move everything into the cloud. So why it's uh, harder than it sounds? I'm sorry, what was the last part of that question, Wayne? Why so, is it harder than it looks? Yeah, so because it sounds easy, we put everything like on the cloud and omni-channel. But the thing is, it seems like it's pretty hard. So that's why, for, you know, like yeah. the past eight years, you try yeah. to you work with yes. Yeah, I'll bet there's a lot of people on this call that are like, yeah, I think it's pretty hard. <laughs> it really is hard. Um, yeah, because if, if it wasn't as hard as it is, we'd certainly have a lot more successes. And I want to say Harvard Business Review did an article a number of months ago where they they said that 92% uh, of companies are really stuck in experimentation. And only a very, very small percentage of companies have actually deployed machine learning and AI projects in more than one department and have made progress towards getting to AI at scale, right? I mean, there's, you know, the Amazons and the Netflix that are very much AI-led and AI-driven, but for almost every other company, it's a lot of experimentation. And so there's a few reasons why, um, I will tell you in our experience that we have found, it really is much more challenging than it is. Number one is people tend to underestimate the the life cycle and the constituents across the organization that need to be involved to be successful. I've seen many data science projects where you know the executive staff thought, you know, we're going to hire some data scientists, we're going to have them go off and do their data sciencey things, and then it's going to be magic, and we're going to have all of this stuff we never had before. But the problem with a lot of these models is it, they are not additive. They, it, you cannot walk around an organization and sprinkle AI pixie dust on systems. Mm -hmm. Dealing with legacy systems that are very rigid and for, for your machine learning models or your move to omnichannel isn't just fixing a component. In some cases, it's rebuilding from the ground up in completely new and different ways. Absolutely. So, yep. When you, I would say the biggest mistake is people approach what they're trying to do from the problem statement and not the outcome statement. The problem statement means that, oh, hey, I, I, maybe we can apply some data and some technology and some cloud computing to get to the answer to that question, but that doesn't actually move the needle for them. What moves the needle is then how will that answer to that question be operationalized and put into production so that it, it actually works in action. And most projects will make it through to the end of the experiment, but then there is no realistic leap that they can take from the end of the experiment into you know, then actually getting it into full scale production. And if it isn't a strategic enough opportunity, that's usually when it runs out of funding. And you know, it's not that the project failed, is that it actually just didn't have the right level of executive sponsorship and to support to one scope out what the true level of effort really is to actually get it into production, mm -hmm. not just experiment, and then um, making sure it had the support and the investment um, to actually be able to deliver. And okay. that's where really, you know most of the challenges and why people think that it's that it's harder because they the the, the the scope and the scale is usually much bigger than people really think. Okay, well, that's great. That's a very uh, valuable insight. So they come because for the interest of time, probably we uh, talk about the the last question here. However, I guess uh, we always think about this: uh, what's the practical next step? 
Okay, so usually that I think that's a million dollar question because people spend lots of money just to get consultation on this side. So because we have an audience, they're coming from a big corporation, a multi like a, you know like a million dollars, uh, and then some of them are relatively small. So can you kind of like tell that uh, our um, the uh, the audience what's the next step if they haven't started this uh, omni-channel and cloud service? Usually, what your advice to them? Yeah. So um. I'll have a, a couple different pieces of advice. The first is always focus on the outcome. What is it that you're trying to change and why? Because it's, you know, we're so trained, and I want to say it's our experience working in companies for a long time. Maybe we've got a system, the system is version 10.2, and IT is going to upgrade it for us and wants our suggestions on the enhancements. And what do we, but not, don't get too crazy, we want to deliver it in six months. And what do we do? We focus on the incremental change that we might be able to build into that next iteration of a system. So when you focus on the problem and the thing you're trying to do, sometimes we very naturally almost want to be prescriptive about the way we solve the problem. In today's day and age, with all of the new tools and technologies and capabilities that we have, I say for, to executives everywhere, don't focus on how to fix it, focus on what it will look like, what will life be like on the other side when it's been fixed? What's the experience you're trying to drive for your customer, for your suppliers, for your employees, where whatever your role in the company is, because by doing that, you'll end up thinking through all of the actual touch points and the point of impact where you would need to have something embedded. So that's, and, and I'll, a second kind of subset of that is, pay very attention to the things that you felt have been unfixable until now, mm -hmm. or that you kind of fixed halfway with what you had available to you. Because there's absolutely within, you know, within corporations everywhere, there's always the challenges that were beyond reach. And we have this sense of learned helplessness around them that we just kind of accept them. But because we can do so many new and different things now, don't ignore the problems that have been festering for a while, but we just assumed we couldn't fix. Talk about them in the context of the outcome you're trying to drive as well. My second piece of advice is, this is harder than it looks. Definitely don't go it alone. Go make sure that you bring in, it, maybe it's your first project or maybe it's your first project of a kind, but leverage the people that have come before you and done this successfully. And whether it's working with a company like Perfect Corp that has a proven successful track record that they've done this for many other companies and make it simple or you know all the way to maybe a consulting firm that's going to help you uh, modernize a platform and a system and can demonstrate to you that they have done it countless times before so that you are not you know no one wants no one wants the surgeon to walk into the operating room and go, ooh, brain surgery, I haven't gotten to try that one yet. No, no, you want the person who's done so many of them, they can practically do them with their eyes closed. And this technology is so powerful and so capable of doing really amazing things for a company, but you don't want to waste all of the time on the trial and error. You want the experts to really help guide you through. And I have seen firsthand 
And a lot of people say, no, 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 we'll do it ourselves. Even though we don't have the experience, even though we don't necessarily have the skills, we'll figure it out. And you know, a year later, they're still figuring out when their competitors brought someone in, maybe spent more upfront, but they got to the solution in nine months in production while the other company is still trying to figure out and, and you know, recover from this mistakes that they've made along the way. And then the third one is, I will say, more important than anything you do, make sure that you aim high, that the initiatives that you think about have to be meaningful for the company. Because a lot of experiments end up, you know, like almost like flying under the radar. Let's choose something that isn't too, you know, big or scary or meaningful, because if we fail, like it, it won't hurt so bad. But the flip side of that is if it succeeds, it also won't be that interesting. There is enough evidence that systems can be modernized. They can be infused with machine learning. They can, you can get to omni-channel. You can deliver the experience that you want, but make sure that you're investing your very valuable time, energy, human resource, financial resource, into the things that are important to the company so that they have the right executive level sponsorship and the right investment to make sure you can see them through. Okay, wow, that's uh, really like uh, the, the audience, whoever uh, joined today's call, they get like a million dollars of knowledge from Deborah. Yeah, that's that's very good. Thank you, thank you so much. So I think uh, for the interest of time, so we probably, uh, so we will stop here and then uh, we will take uh, some of the, uh, the question from the audience. As I say, if you have a question, you can type here or later, you know, if you have a question, you think about something, you can reach out to me or, or Deborah. You can always, uh, you know, connect us uh, through the linking. Okay, so I guess uh, the first question I saw here is, uh, uh, so I'm a brand, I sell in retail, and then uh, I have a website. Does that mean uh, I am omnichannel? If not, what should I do next? So I guess that's pretty practical. You know, people sell through channel, like a retail channel, and they have a website. They say, oh, that's it, omni-channel. So what's your take on that, Deborah? Well, I think you have to think of it from the customer experience. If you were your own customer, um, what would the, would it, does it feel like it's one experience? It is, um, you know, if I see an ad for your product in Instagram, can I click a button that lets me purchase it immediately? And when I then go to my website, it's all connected and I, I can see that purchase in that history. Or can I text you and, and actually do commerce over a conversational AI assistant? If I buy from the store, do, do you know me? Do you know who I am or is that anonymous? What you're driving towards in Omnichannel is is that as the customer, I should feel like my relationship with you and the way I purchase from you feels like one experience and not a collection of fragmented experience mm -hmm. experiences. And so that's the heavy lifting is to, because most of those systems were developed independently. They were never meant to work together. They are rigid, they are inflexible, right? now. Changing that over from the ground up is gonna take time and effort and a good amount of money, which is why you know, others might look for ways to at least appear more omnichannel on their way to getting there. Something like you know, what Perfect Corp is doing, which won't change over all your systems, but it will start making it feel like it's just one experience. 
Yeah, that's good advice. So from a customer perspective, omnichannel really is uh, like you serve your customer. So you need to think from your customer, not really just like uh, on the technology side, if I implement this channel, that channel, that means omnichannel, which actually that echo from what Perfectco has been doing. So we create something behind the scene and then we want to make sure every channel has a similar experience. So especially for the cosmetic, the color, right? Color has to be right. So once you finalize the color, it's a unified database, you can push to different channel. Okay, so that's great. And the second question I have here is, uh, that one is very practical. Say, how should I choose a cloud provider? Should I go to the one everybody goes to? Uh, there's a name there, which I don't wanna do advertisement. So I guess <laughs> everybody know. Yeah, and then because in my style also, accidentally put our company's name there so yeah. so i will tell you that um it i would really encourage you to actually um, pick a consultant that can help you make that decision uh there you know like everything else there's going to be compromises um please don't do something because other people have done it uh your organization is going to have its own needs and there are the, the cost structure of working with cloud is very, very complex. And if you're not 100% clear on making sure you understand your needs and then how the, that is going to be priced, there could be very wide ranges in what you end up paying for that privilege of doing things in the cloud. So I would just say that it's, it's, um, it is absolutely worth having someone to help you navigate just to make sure that your needs are captured and that you're assessing, you know, there's only like three or four top providers. So it's a pretty short list and a consultant, again, leveraging experts that has helped others navigate it like you need to navigate it. They will be able to help you decipher all of the charges because each provider lists them differently. And so it's very, very hard for someone to just figure out what the apple to apple comparison is. It's a very big decision. You should absolutely be treating it as such. Yeah, so uh, yeah, just uh, be careful. Now it's like a go to the place where everybody goes because they may not fit you. So you have to think about it. It's not just like a blindly go to where people. So I guess we have a one more one, that time for one question, which I will take this uh, privilege. I'll, I'll ask you a question because we still have a couple of them. We can reply to them later. I think that's important because uh, it's, a, it's a little bit on a separate note. Uh, you are doing this uh, uh, more like a char charity organization called Girls Who Solve, which yep. I know because I get invited. Uh, that's where the COVID started. So, uh, okay, um, that organization is really trying to focus on that, get the education, call this AI and all the technology into our next generation, like a younger generation. Uh, I'm very, you know, I think that that's a really uh, a super, super important task. Can you briefly talk about that organization and then what's your plan on that? Yeah, I would absolutely love to talk about it. So the funny thing is that this started because I have a 15-year-old a daughter who, uh, try as I might to get her interested in coding, uh, I could not uh, get her interested in coding. And in by any the way, she's a fan of uh, UK makeup. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yes. We, we, did a whole, uh, we did a whole session about this. Yeah. And I am not myself a data scientist. I, I've worked the last number of years on a team of 100 data scientists worldwide, um, but my role was more on the strategic navigation of through projects and solving problems with AI. And we were one day having a conversation 
because I would talk about a lot of the projects that I'm, I'm working on over the dinner table. And my daughter would be like, that's so cool, mom. When I grew up, I want to do what you do. And I'm sitting here going, I don't even know how to prepare you for that. Like she's not interested in a coding class. Um, and then it just kind of struck me. And we talked about this together that the world needs girls who code, but it also need the girls who maybe don't necessarily code, but can actually focus on leveraging technology to solve the problems that can be solved by the coders. And so this was very much, um, it was, it's an after-school club. We, have, uh, we do one session a week. We actually just kicked off um, for this school year um, on Zoom for the moment. But essentially what we do is we spend each class introducing the girls to a technology that they're already familiar with because these kids use so much AI on a daily basis. And then we break down, we give them like an exercise to do that actually gets them doing some data science things without realizing that they're doing them. And then we break down the focus on what's the problem that we were solving and how was it solved. So when we, we had a, last year we did facial February and we focused on many things about facial recognition. And one of the, the sessions was um, really focusing on how to use uh, facial recognition within a commercial environment and all of the different problems that it solves. But the hope is, these are girls that have already opted out of STEM programs because they, you know, they're, they don't think of themselves that way. They're not interested in, mm -hmm. my daughter still calls it like, you know, extra math homework she's not interested in doing. But I think they walk out of every single session going, oh my God, that's so cool. So we're turning them on to what technology can do um, because they're going to be our next generation of, of leaders. But I feel like they'll be more, some of them have uh, decided they want to actually learn how to code now. Um, and some of them are, you know, will be the business executives that, that understand how to solve problems with technology. And, um, and so it's gone really well. We right now are still building out the full curriculum. Uh, we just incorporated and are uh, working on our not-for-profit st uh, status so we could go after some grant money to accelerate it. But the plan is that the curriculum will be available to anyone who would like to bring a program like this to their school or uh, any local youth group. And, you know, frankly, it doesn't have to necessarily be for girls. I have, um, there are actually many boys in my daughter's school that the parents were very upset we didn't offer this for boys also because it really just focuses on problem solving which is very important as an as a an adult to be able to think that through um and so that's the really the bent that we take on it yes great so i can take that boys part because i have a 14 year son who not that interesting math but he like coding he like ai so that's great and also i believe that kind of like align with what we've been doing as a perfect call here because we've been dealing with uh, the beauty industry in general that industry is considered more arts creative design marketing however right now because it's highly highly uh, you know connect with the technology so that's why we have this uh, uh, master series we'll try to introduce that of uh, the very um, hard to understand uh, technology behind the scene in a very general way for make sure everybody's understand that. Okay, so before we go, because I ha I get, I spot the one question from the audience, which is super important. I, I think I have to ask you because uh, the, basically that question here is, uh, we've been facing like a COVID, so many problems ahead of us. Why should the brand or the retailer slash retailer prioritize digital and the technology innovation over lots of uh, super important issues happening now. Okay, so I guess that one is a pretty serious problem. We can answer the question and then we can, you know, like end this session. So please. 
Yeah. So um, it's it's a real. There was unfortunately COVID brought a lot of problems to our doorsteps that um, that are extremely serious. I think that the way I will, uh, I don't want to say one problem is more important than the other, but when you're talking about a commercial operation, the importance is that you remain a going concern. And when, when COVID hits, uh, especially because I work with so many retailers, uh, the, the level of, you know, destruction that it caused immediately to forecasts and plans and revenue streams, you know, watching retailers have to furlough staff as things shut down was the most heartbreaking. Um, and we did our best to support our customers just really through that time frame. But when things started to ease up, especially I'm, I'm in the East Coast, New York and New Jersey area, um, then the, the shift of the focus was what do we need to do to recover? And I'm, I'm, I know a lot of people expected that the recovery might be you know, a lot faster than it is. Now it feels like we're here for the long haul. Um, if you were to ask me why digital, I will tell you because the, we don't know if there will be a second spike. We don't know what will happen when there's a flu season on top of COVID. I think preparing to remain as you know, capturing as much revenue as you can, serving your customer in in the way they need to be served, they want to be served, is a very important priority so that you can get to all the other priorities that you have. I don't want to say that it's more important than anything else, but we've already are seeing retailers file for bankruptcy and shut their doors because they couldn't weather the storm. So priority one is you need to weather that storm and supporting digital revenue touchless transactions is incredibly important to make sure that you can recover long-term. Yes, so thank you. And then I just share a little bit from my perspective because I, I previously I said uh, technology is not for the sake of technology. Technology and innovation is always to help people uh, make a life better and make a life easier and happier. So actually this, uh, the priority is uh, like a hand in hand with the other priority. For example, like a COVID, because lots of our customer retailer, the store shut up, right? Shut down. They have to find a way to sell the product. So they start using, um, you know, like a, a BA 101, right? So for our example, and then also the BA get full. They have no job. But right now we provide another opportunity with the technology for them to start selling. So life can be go back to normal. And then also, as I said, um, you know, with a touch list and then also contactless solution to keep a customer safe. So it's really not like a prioritize one with another. It's a, they work together. Okay, so actually that will lead to our natural ending for today because uh, I'm going to introduce you next seminar, which uh, next seminar in three weeks, uh, we're gonna have uh, SC Lauder's uh, a global uh, general manager and SVP of a North American brand portfolio, uh, Lisa Sequeno, to talk about the contactless and then the, the, the virtual solution for retail after COVID. Okay, so that if you are interested in to see how technology and this uh, uh, you know, priority current effect, they can uh, work hand in hand. That's a good opportunity. So today, actually, I really appreciate that Deborah. So for, uh, you know, join us, that's really a great opportunity to have you and talk about all the insight from that, you know, you've been working with so many uh, leader. And then also, you know, Please, uh, you know, let's uh, just uh, get this uh, uh, growth and cause organization 
uh, start to grow strong and strong. And then uh, we'll see you very soon okay, in the next uh, probably uh, event. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much and keep safe. Thanks for tuning in to Perfect Corps Global Beauty Tech Master Series Podcast Edition. Please join us next time for another exciting episode on the future of beauty tech innovation.